welcome to episode 117 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. We are so close to the start of the NHL regular season. Preseason action is underway. So we're obviously going to talk about that. The Leafs so far have played three preseason games. They lost their first two to Ottawa, but bounced back with a win over the Buffalo Sabres at Joe Thornton Community Center. Ooh. <laughs> it's an interesting atmosphere over there. It's all like I was watching a minor hockey game. So pretty cool. But yeah. we will go over uh, the Leafs and how they have looked so far in preseason and specific players who have stood out to us. And we are also going to discuss Andre Vasilevsky. He needs back surgery. He's going to be out for two months, a huge blow to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So there's a lot to discuss on this episode. As I said, the regular season is almost here. We're chugging along, and we're going to give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that has gone down in the preseason so far with the Leafs. But before we get into all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How are you doing today, man? Doing very well, Anthony Bruno. It's uh, Thursday night. Looking forward to my glorious evening of uh, Thursday night football and folding baby laundry while I watch it. I mean, just everything I dreamed That's about, right? Everything I dreamed about, right? Who do we got tonight? It's uh, Green Bay and Detroit. Detroit. That... Big one. Yeah. Big the NFL's NFC got North battle of poor. Yeah. The NFL's got to figure it out. Eh? I've wondered if the NHL has ever considered. I mean, you can never really do like a one night one game night i mean you could but i don't think that would work or if they've ever thought of how like like back to back or say three games one by one by one people can watch and make it like a thursday night thing or a friday night thing where games are circled everyone's pumped up and like make rivalries new york la stuff like that but as we say often on the show the nhl doesn't know what they're doing so let's not hold our breath at that and uh, enjoy the NFL, and you know we get to see Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. So, oh, Lepore, I'm actually like very into this Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey on. relationship. We don't have to get into it. We don't have to get into it on the podcast. I I don't know if it's <laughs> you're into what. <laughs> what exactly are you? I'm into? just so intrigued by it. I love Travis Kelsey as a player, as a yeah. personality. I, I'm not. I, I'm not really a taylor swift fan like mm -hmm. listen i wouldn't be afraid to tell you if i was like a huge fan of taylor swift i just i'm just really not Swifty. a big fan of hers like I, I i have no opinion either way on taylor swift like i think she's a good singer she's a good performer she's a friggin' billionaire like good for her i yeah. just think it's so intriguing like is this relationship legit mm -hmm. did they meet each other for the first time when she was at the last chiefs game in the box with his mom and then they're walking out of the out of the stadium together it's just the whole thing is just it's intriguing man yeah but see like these numbers coming out he travis kelsey is the number one selling jersey in the oh, nfl crazy he went like 4x like since it came out that they were dating it's just nuts man people are loyal i think i think i'm on the side of this is a setup I think I think I'm on that side. It, it just kind of smells like that. Yeah, it's too much. And like they were saying how I mean, obviously, it was the NFL. I mean, the NFL is always all over Twitter, but it was all over Twitter. People are saying they're trying to target like a female audience and there's all these takes. But it to me, it's just so like Travis Kelsey. So not only is he a football player, he's a super out there football player with his podcast and his commercials and his personality just with, with the pop star, maybe someone argue that makes sense that those two personalities would get along. But sometimes when things are a little too loud, I think it's calculated and maybe that's just the old man grumpy in me, but that's like skeptical about everything. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything has gone so smoothly. Like he talked about her on his podcast, how he, he, you know, called his shot and wanted to ask out Taylor Swift. He wanted to give her like that friendship bracelet. And then next thing <laughs> you know, she's at Arrowhead stadium with his mother watching him play and cheering like a maniac. Yeah. So, so everyone I'm a, I guess I'm on the same page as everyone though. Right. We're betting against the chiefs this year. We don't think we think it's too much of a distraction, right? I don't know, man. I mean, the cheat mm. Patrick Mahomes. I I bet against him in the Super Bowl last year and cried myself to sleep. So I I don't know. I I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't doubt that team, man. Even with a distraction like this, I can't yeah. doubt Patrick Mahomes anymore. The NFL is praying for it because they want as many games as possible with Taylor Swift in the press box. Oh, and this is like a dream for the a NFL. Super Bowl. You the Super Bowl. I mean, billions of people Can are you watching. Imagine you add that the oh, Chiefs they're... go to the Super Bowl and Taylor Swift is there. Yeah, and imagine they just switch it up and say, "All right, sorry, Usher." Taylor Swift, <laughs> but I heard that Taylor Swift, like they've approached her to do the halftime show and she turned it down. Yeah. See, I've heard about the Super Bowl halftime show thing. And of course, like big, big acts have done it in the past, but comment down below if anyone knows for sure. But I think I've heard it's, it's a non-paying gig. It's I just, believe a, you're right. Yeah. I've heard the, the exact same thing. I am not, I can't hundred percent confirm that, but I don't think that those artists get paid anything. Yeah, and I mean, like, Michael Jackson did. And Michael Jackson doesn't need money. And, I mean, in past years, Beyonce, Rihanna, I mean, all these big Katy Perry. So, I mean, it's all people who don't need money. But I'm sure for some people, they're like, yeah, no, I'm not doing it for free at this point in my career. Like, why do I need to do this? But, I mean, that life, eh? I've been asked to sing during the halftime show at the Super Bowl. And I'm like, why do I have to do this? Right. Like, And I'm folding laundry and watching Thursday night football. Oh man. I, it's, I can't even like fathom being in, in the, in the shoes of any of those celebrities. Like it's just, yeah, it's wild to me, but no Lepore, I would take your life folding laundry, watching football. Yeah, it's just more, you know, it's just more easy going and it's calm, cute little man. baby laundry. You're living the dream, Lapore. I think I've perfected and I didn't look it up like the way to fold a onesie. Okay. I think I got it. I think I got it down and I'm pretty anal about my folding. My days working retail. My wife says I'm the best folder in the world. Like she's she's like flabbergasted by my folding. And I think I got the onesie down pack. But On the next podcast, on we need you to fold a onesie live. You know, it's funny, air. man. You know, it's funny. They all, they often say about like content creation, pick the most random thing that like no one is taught. No one would talk about. Like we talk about the worst thing in the world, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there's a million people who have opinions on the Toronto Maple Leafs. They say start a channel about building birdhouses. Yeah, because you're probably the only one or maybe there's a handful. So what you're saying is that you want to start a channel folding baby onesies. Yeah, why not baby baby folding? It'll get. I think there's actually a market out there for that. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but you'd probably have like ten thousand subscribers in like a month. Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do I leave Bruno for a a baby uh, a baby podcast? Hey, if you leave me to do that, I'm gonna start my own baby podcast. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Screw the leaves. Yeah, or we just don't tell anyone. Everyone tunes in to the next episode, and we're just talking about. We're just completely rebranded as like a baby podcast. My goodness. It's time for a quick break because today we're here with a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like babies, your delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at manscaped.com using our exclusive code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore Manscaped just doesn't miss. They do not miss Anthony Bruno. And let's face it, when you're taking care of your baby makers, you want to use quality products. Take some time, look at the Manscaped labels, and you will see it's all A-plus ingredients. Some of these other companies, it's an absolute fucking encyclopedia of shit that's put in there. You do not want to put that on your boys. You want to make sure your boys can swim. So go ahead, manscaped.com. Use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. If you're not treating yourself to some Manscaped products, I don't know what the hell you're doing because you're going to look good, you're going to feel good, and you're going to play good by going to manscaped.com and using our code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com, use code GFP20, for 20% off and free shipping, you will not be disappointed. All right, let's uh, let's actually start talking about hockey now yeah, before people geez, that was a uh, throw one. something at their computer screens or their TV screens or wherever they're watching us right now. But 
we got to talk about these first three preseason games and I am not going to have super strong opinions based on these three games because I think that's just asinine. Hopefully not, yeah. To have like these super strong opinions set in stone based on three exhibition games. But we've seen two losses against Ottawa. We saw the Leafs beat the Sabres. We've seen really good performances from Easton Cowan, from Connor Timmins. Those are the two guys that have stood out specifically to me. Um, but just what are your thoughts overall in these first three games? Any guys who have stood out to you or, you know, players that have even stood out in a negative way and you don't want to see them anywhere near the Leafs organization? Uh, I'm just going to start off by saying I think the preseason is a very awkward time for hockey fans because let's face it, the hardcore is anyway. We tune in, we watch, and there's that thing in you that can't help but hope your team wins. You really hope your team wins. And you have to keep telling yourself that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We have Martin Jones in nets. It doesn't matter. So you do your best to avoid all the stuff and avoid the noise um, and focus on like the prospects and the kids. For me, yeah, like I, I think so far, like I've enjoyed watching the Leafs preseason because I think there's been quite a few pleasant surprises. Like the night Timmons put up last night is great. So, I mean, we've talked about RD on uh, recent shows. So, I mean, he's, I mean, I'm not going to say like, oh, he'll be a full-time NHLer because he is, but I think to really staple himself as like a guy, like a guy who can be relied upon, that'd be great. I mean, the offensive talent is there and the numbers speak for themselves. As far as the kids go, someone who stood out for me, who I don't think maybe he's getting enough attention in the Leaf world is uh, Roni Harvinen. Okay. He's pretty he seems pretty dynamic and he tries things and he's small. I think he's only like five nine or five ten, but shifty guy seems really good on his edges and aggressive. Like you hear the ter- the term all the time, like oh he's a buzzsaw. Like, no, he legit is get going at hundred percent all the time. So I enjoyed him. It does get to a point with some of these guys, okay? Because I mean every every hockey fan, you know, you know your prospects because fans love to brag about their prospects. But you get to a point where some of these names, it's like, man, like Pontus Holmberg, Fraser Minton, Blandizi, Abruzzese. I don't want to say at what point you just shut the door on these guys, but like this again, you know, and that, that sounds really negative and pessimistic, but it's the reality of the situation because I was watching the game, the game yesterday with my nephew and he's asking about these prospects and making the team. And I had to tell him like, bud, you look at the lineup and how many spots are available. There's not a lot. No, like one, maybe two. And even that one, nothing's for sure. And it's going to be some sort of role thing with that like one. Nick spot Robertson available. might not even make the team. Exactly. Exactly. And you, you can like the top six, even the top nine, man, is if you go Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner, and then you go Nylander, Tavares, uh, Nyes. And then if you do something like, I don't know, Yarncrock, Kauf, Domi, it's like, well, that's nine without even us getting to like the no name, quote unquote, no name guys. You know what I mean? Like the lineup filler guys. And like, obviously and, like Camp is on the team after exactly. the contract he just signed. So that's like 10 spots that are set in stone and no one can do anything about it. So there's like, what, one or two spots up for grabs? Yeah. And it's even as much as we've criticized the D, it's like, well, I mean even there there's not room we know who the two goalies are going to be so you watch these guys and you root for them and you hope they can do something to maybe get themselves an nhl job one day even if it's not with toronto you hope these guys get an opportunity you root for these guys because they put the time in especially the ones that are a little older but yeah all in all i mean i'm sure Sens fans loved beating uh the leafs twice even if it was in the preseason uh little bragging rights there it's funny but let's just move on i think we have three straight games to montreal i don't know who thought of that one but yeah that's kind of bizarre uh i mean it's giving me flashbacks to the uh covid season where we played every canadian team like nine to ten times and i was just ready to jump off a cliff did you think they should have stayed with that with kind of like a baseball series thing i heard that opinion I do like it. I wouldn't mind if they did, you know, like, yeah, exactly. I don't want to play a team like 
10 times like that's outrageous right. but if you make one week like oh it's Leafs versus Habs week and they play each other three times and I know that's literally just that that's about to happen in the preseason mm-hmm. but it would be kind of cool um in the regular season I don't know if you want to do it with like all of the Canadian teams you know facing each other again but like you put all the biggest rivals up against each other and you do like these mini like week-long series let's call it like a tuesday yeah. thursday saturday against the same team yeah i remember elliot was it elliot freeman he had he had the point that i think a lot of fans were rooting for that because yeah that'd be cool even think too, okay here i am a leafs fan living in ottawa imagine the leafs came for three straight games or even two straight games that'd be i could pretty go cool it'd be it'd be fun but he made the point i think it was freeman made the point saying the league wouldn't want that because they don't want that much connection between players from different teams. Like they don't want guys talking agents trying to convince guys. Are you this and kidding me? I heard, I heard that's the that's, most NHL thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I, I heard that's one of the reasons why they don't want that. Like they don't want two teams and you know, their posses hanging out for four straight days. Right. So that could be a thing. I don't know. Either way, it didn't happen. And <laughs> I guess we're talking about this for nothing. But the other player that we didn't mention a few minutes ago was Ryan Reeves, who yeah. is obviously on this team and has a spot locked up. So when you go down the list, yeah, I mean, you got like what? There's like five guys competing for one spot. And, you know, some of these guys are probably understanding at this point that they're going to be a healthy scratch if they make the team. And, you know, not that they're going to be a healthy scratch for all 82 games, but more nights than not, they're going to be in the press box. You know, when you think about like Nick Robertson, again, I don't even know if Nick Robertson is going to make this team, but if he does, I don't think he's going to be playing on a consistent basis. I haven't really seen anything that's has stood out from him in the preseason so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I had really high hopes for him last year, seeing what he was able to do at the NHL level. And then, you know, I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but you're getting to the point now with that guy. And especially now that the Leafs have brought in Domi, have brought in Bertuzzi, Nyes is going to be a full-time player. That's three spots in the top nine. Those are three guys that are brought in to score and produce. And that kicks Nick Robertson to the curb, unfortunately. Robertson's just like the odd man out at this point. Like You can't have him playing on the fourth line. What good is he on the fourth line? He's got to be in a top nine, top six scoring role. Yeah, 100%. So, anyway, so, yeah, it's tough. I mean, the guy that has stood out to me the most is is Connor Timmins, and I know it's kind of the easy answer. The guy has six points in two games. <laughs> but the reason this has stood out to me is because, quite frankly, I know this, is, this might sound a little harsh, but I think Mark Giordano at this point is pretty much washed. Like, based on what I saw in the playoffs last year, listen, people were were banging on Justin Hall. Mark Giordano was just as bad as Justin Hall in the playoffs last year. Like, he was horrible. He couldn't move. He looked completely out of place. There's no way that that guy, who's about to turn 40 years old, is capable of playing an entire 82-game season and then going through a playoff run. So there's got to be at least a little bit of load management with Giordano. And I and I, I will admit, there were times in the regular season last year where Giordano was actually pretty damn good. Like, he was very solid at points during the regular season, but you can't have that guy playing 82 games. So maybe he plays 50. Maybe Connor Timmons is in there for, like, 30 to 40 games, potentially. If he's going to perform like this, be able to move the puck, run the power play when he needs to, create a little offense, you know, playing on the third pair, you know, he's... He's got a he's got a little bit of size as well. He's not, like, small by any means. He's not like Rasmus Sandin, so... Yeah, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised by Connor Timmons. And um, I think the Leafs do need some depth on defense because we talked about this on the last show. If there's one like glaring weakness, if you want to call it a glaring weakness, maybe that's a little aggressive. It it probably is their defense court. Yeah, agreed. Is Easton Cowan just the biggest fist pump from the preseason for the Leafs just to see this kid. And I mean, he's not going to make the team based on his age and his situation in London, but I think it's been a while. Well, it has been a while since I think we've been excited about a prospect like this. It's probably since the core four guys came in. He looks fantastic. 
he's a player, man. This this kid. I mean, there was there were questions about him when he was drafted if he should have been drafted there. But I think no doubt about it. Like he, he here he's this kid again. He's still in junior hockey and he does not look out of place at yeah, all. Like he he's looked good. It, it, listen, I don't want to say he's looked as good as like Matthew Nyes when Nyes you know first broke into the lineup last year and then how good he looked in the playoffs, but. It's kind of like the same vibe where when you watch them play, they're not out of place. And mm-hmm. as young as they are, like Easton Cowan, he's younger than Matthew Nyes. The guy's 18 years old. He's a child, yeah. And and like you said, like he's obviously not going to be on the team. They don't want to rush this kid. But after all that talk where what the hell were the Leafs thinking? They took this guy in the first round. He was projected to be a late second round pick. And the Leaf scouting staff like really had their eyes on this guy, and were really excited about drafting him. And even I was skeptical. I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, this is kind of a reach, <laughs> but he looks pretty good, man. And that's it's something to be excited about because we've gone through this era now where the Leafs have had to trade away so many first round picks and draft capital because of how good they've been and how they're in win now mode. So it's nice to see guys like Matthew Nyes flourish and Easton Cowan. I mean, hopefully Nick Robertson figures it out, but it is nice to to finally rally around like some of these draft picks because it's been a while. Yeah, even again, how I often express how much I hate it. The World Juniors. When was the last time the Leafs had a prospect at the World Juniors that we were able to like, really get excited about and brag about and tune in to watch? I guess Topi Niemela. I mean, he got was it he got best defenseman? Did he yeah, get? best defenseman. Didn't Rasmus Sandin win best defenseman as well? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So maybe he's just like on the forward thing. But even those guys, I mean, it's been a few years now. Yeah, but even them, like I was never like that excited about them yeah. like I, I was yeah. more excited when like matthews was playing in the world juniors and nylander and marner you know, even 18. marner for that matter yeah. so it's been it's been a while man it really has been yeah i will definitely be uh getting my hands on some 67s versus london knights tickets when they're in town because it's fun i actually remember a few of us went uh marner when marner's uh came for his last uh, go around in the ohl a lot of Leafs fans, man. It was pretty hilarious because you're walking in the building and here you are thinking, you know, I'm going to go see a Leaf. And you wear your Leaf hat and then you just see a Le- and Leafs fans or Leafs fans. So you start seeing hats around jerseys. You walk past them when you give them the nod and Marner getting all that attention. So it was fun. I'm looking forward to doing that again with Cal and I'm sure it's going to be a similar crowd. No, that's that's going to be awesome, man. Uh, I mean, especially like the London Knights, like that's a junior team that you want to go see because like, fucking right they're always good it's a great atmosphere there like you can't go wrong man going to watch a london knights game but uh, what's what's the closest ohl team to you to me jesus i don't even know the closest team to me at this point yeah i feel like toronto's always changing the team's name that's the thing they're they're like i maybe the the mississauga steelheads yeah mississauga is that the closest junior team to me probably Mm-hmm. I'd have to I'd have to look that up. I should probably know this, but I feel like yeah, there's been so many changes with the teams over the years, and they just move from like city to city. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Lapore, staying on the preseason, like, where do we draw the line with how hard guys are trying? Because something <laughs> crazy happened in the Vegas Golden Knights game the other night uh, mm-hmm. with their captain Mark Stone. Yeah. Where. He received a pretty big blindside hit uh, playing against the L.A. Kings. And, you know, this guy's pretty much a no-name player. Hayden Hodgson just took a run at Mark Stone, a guy that has battled through back injuries. Like, this guy's a warrior. He's been through a lot of shit. Like, you know, the stuff that he had to do literally to just, like, get on the ice, like, in the playoffs and, like, not... (laughs) not be like completely debilitated by that back injury was just insane. And then he's getting run in the preseason by a no-name guy. He's probably never going to play in the NHL. Like this guy's played seven games in the NHL. And Mark Stone had some very choice words for him. I will read what Mark Stone said about Hayden Hodgson. Let's go. That's probably the last time I'll ever play against that guy. Not really much of a player, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah. It's it's difficult, and I said it's awkward for fans to watch and keep your emotions straight. For players, 
that's a discussion because you, you have two types of players out there. You have the ones with NHL contracts who to, to them, this is practice. This is nothing more than practice and a casual practice at that. And then on the other side of it, you have these players who are playing for jobs and they're trying to make a name for themselves and they're trying to make an impact on the game and get the, uh, the, uh, the attention and the eyes of the general manager and the coaching staff. So it is tough. And it, I guess it's a topic to discuss. Do you pick and choose or like, are you giving too much credit to players to be able to judge cam going into the corner? There's Mark stone. I don't fucking level them. Okay. There's Frazier mitten. I can level him and I, and I don't need to show respect here. So it's tough. I think, I think in the case of a guy like stone, he's older. He's had his injury problems. I think that's an example I'm okay with where like, yeah, you don't run Mark Stone, especially like blindside like that. I'm sure you, you can hit him good. Mark Stone's a, t- a big, tough guy. I don't think he would have taken that the wrong way. But with that, what uh, that guy pulled. Yeah, uh, blindside hit behind the net. Yeah. yeah and like it was I, reckless. It was reckless. It was. I, that's a good way to put it, actually. Like the way that I look at it, I, I do agree with you. Like, listen, guys are playing for jobs especially these like fringe guys who, you know, this is their only chance to play in the league, really. Like if they don't make it at this point, like for example, this Hayden Hodgson kid, I shouldn't even call him a kid. He's 27 years old. Like he's played in the ECHL, the AHL. looks like he's played in Slovakia. Like I'm looking at his hockey DB page. Like this is like his last chance, right? So he's obviously trying to make a statement. But I don't think that's the way you make a statement. Like, can you imagine someone pulled that on John Tavares? Right? Or even like Austin Matthews for that matter. Imagine some no name just like ran him behind the net. Like that, that's not going to go over well. Yeah. Maybe it, it would have been fine before Ryan Reeves got here. But like, imagine that happens in the preseason and Ryan Reeves is playing. And he's remember no name guy run Austin Matthews. Do you remember? I don't know if it was it was Matthews for his camp for sure. I don't know if it was the first practice where he went into a corner and it was kind of an awkward entry into the corner. And the player bumped him and Matthews went like head first into the boards. And the player right away, the body language was like, oh my God. Like immediately apologetic, had had his hands up, like, what did I do? All the eyes are on me now. Like you could cut the tension. But yeah, this guy, and I'm gonna use Biz's line. Or business question, what number was he wearing? 57, I think was the number. Was it 57? I think it was 57. You want me to double check for you to see his number? Yeah. Well, I remember Biz. Um, Yep, you're right. Number 57. Nice. So I I remember Biz going on a rant once saying you'd get to camp and you're given your jersey. And you know if you have a chance to make the team based on the numbers you're given. That's hilarious. So he's like, yeah, if you're... 57 you're you ain't making the team right you're hoping for something a little cooler than that so it's disappointing thank god he's okay because that that's something if he's hurt and that's a big talking point and you meant you mentioned with the lease of course in a canadian market it would have been a huge story a huge story had it been a vet on one of the canadian teams getting run like that as i said i know these guys got to play for jobs i expect them to work their ass off. I expect them to give it their all. But there, there is a line when it comes to certain guys because they have to be aware that, you know, for the guys who have the NHL contracts, they're going out for a casual skate. What do you think about this? It's obviously a mix of the both, but for the GMs and the coaching staff, when they're assessing these guys during preseason, do you think the games are more important than the practices and the inner squad games? You know, I mean, I, that's a really good question because I think most people would just say, yeah, of course the games are more important, but like mm-hmm. they are being watched with a fine tooth comb when they're like going through practices and drills and, and yeah. things like that. I, I would say it's kind of close to 50 50 mm-hmm. and maybe I'm off on that. Maybe I got to ask like an actual, you know, head coach or GM how they feel about that. But I think there's more stock put into the practices and what they're seeing on a day-to-day basis than people realize. Yeah, I guess it's situational, right? So things like the penalty kill or the power play, that you kind of have to see in a game. But with things that involve talent or skill, like, okay, how good of a skater is he? How good is he with his hands and his release? And how how are his hips? Like th- things like that. 
you see it in practice more than you see it in the game. And it's the old coaching mentality. How many minutes of hockey do you actually play in a game of actually getting the puck and being involved? Very few. Whereas in a game, you can really dissect a player. So I might even say it's more on the side of the practices. Wow. The really? yeah. You know what? It's kind of like that in the NFL. You hear all the time when there's like, you know, a backup quarterback, like a rookie quarterback who's waiting his turn or a, or, you know, a young running back or receiver and the other guys on the team are like gushing about how good he looks in practice and how he's slinging the ball around or how fast and explosive a player looks. That's when they're, you know, when your teammates see it, when the coaching staff sees it. And then in the game, you're just, you know, it just comes down to execution at that point. And listen, some guys, maybe they just have no ability to like turn what they're doing in practice and, and they're not able to execute that in game situations. But I think, a lot of the times, if, if you can get it done in practice and you're impressing your teammates and the coaching staff, like it's going to translate into success during the games. Yeah. I even just thought, imagine the GM in the press box watching and the puck goes in the corner and in comes your four checker and he lays off. He doesn't lay the hit you want. Are you asking yourself, well, did he not lay the hit because it was Mark Stone and he didn't want to disrespect someone or is he just soft soft so it's hard right soft it's tough for those fringe guys man that's why like i i know what we're kind of banging on hayden hodgson but based on the position he's in he's trying to make a statement just quite not the not really the statement i would have gone for is there the argument that and again i'm not condoning what he did that for a guy like that who's he's a big boy right i think he's enormous for a guy who's that big who would take on that a responsibility of essentially a shit disturber if he is playing in the National Hockey League. Is he just going in there thinking, make a name for yourself under any means necessary, even if yeah, it is just they, being a total psychopath? Have that mindset. Because we would never talk about him, right? And now his name's out there. He's probably hoping for a chance to play the Leafs and, and do that to one of the Leafs players. So it's a 30-minute intro on uh, Sportsnet talking and talking about that hit and whether or not it was okay. Yeah, and uh, Ryan Reeves would be waiting on the bench for that Shit. to happen. I, I, you know what? I maybe I'm buying too much into this whole Ryan Reeves hype, but I am getting I'm more excited than I thought I would be about yeah. how he's gonna affect this team in that way. But anyway, Lapore, before we move on, is there anything else from the preseason Leafs or around the league that caught your attention, or or shall we move on? Not really. I think the point I made before about how. It's kind of awkward to watch because you're rooting for your team. You got to keep telling yourself it's not important. It really hits you when you uh, watch the other games for some reason. I find like I was watching, what was it? It was Edmonton, Vancouver. And you could just tell like, yeah, this is preseason. Like you really, you almost really see it or see it more when you're watching other teams. One thing, one thing I'll bring up that I will never get used to in the preseason. And Bruno, you're going to roll your eyes at me because it's such a Lapore thing. The Detroit Red Wings and their names on the back of their jerseys, how in the preseason they just put the straight nameplate because of all the work that goes into doing the circle thing they do. I guess they're not going to do it for every kid who's in camp, so they just do regular nameplates. I will never get used to watching the Red Wings in preseason with a, with a straight nameplate. That is, is the most Michael oh, thing I think I've ever heard in my life, complaining it, about preseason hockey jerseys. Oh, man. But the thing is, too, right? It's the National Hockey League. You can't. It's it's it that is it that hard to, to make these names on the cur- curved as they are in the Red Wings jerseys? I guess it's more of an ordeal than I give it credit for. But man, it is always weird. I always forget. And you're like, what, what, what? And you see, you see it. And you're, oh, oh, right. It's it's the preseason, so that's why they do that to the names. I mean, the Rangers don't do that, and the Rangers have a curve. I don't even notice these things, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm on an island. You're, comment- just, you're next level, man. Like, yeah, we got to start- down below which side you're on. If you're on my side or Bruno's side, you notice these things. No, I don't notice any of this stuff. I find it fascinating that you notice these <laughs> things. Like, it's just it's wild to me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, anything wrong with jerseys or any anything with hockey fashion, Lapore is going to be right there to... To voice his opinion. I it is a it. fashion. It is a fashion show out there. It man. is. It really is. Oh fuck. All right. Enough with the preseason. We need to talk about the situation with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, this is rough. Andre Vasilevsky 
their star goalie, arguably the best goalie in the NHL. I mean, arguably one of the greatest goalies of all time. Yeah. Is going to be out for two months with a back injury. He's getting back surgery. It seems like two months is 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 kind of quick. Like even reading the article, Lightning head coach John Cooper, I believe, was saying that that he's day to day, like which is just absolutely insane. So I don't know. Maybe he's gonna requ- re- recover quicker. But this is a big blow. Like he's probably gonna miss twenty to twenty five games. The Lightning are screwed, man. Their backup goalie is Jonas Johansson. Mm. Like, over the last five years, statistically, he's been one of the worst goalies in the NHL. I didn't even realize that he was on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I thought he was somewhere in the American League or the ECHL at this point. But, no, he is the backup goalie for the Lightning. And unless they go out in free agency and pick up some veteran, it looks like he's going to be between the pipes. So, Lepore, I ask you, like, is Tampa screwed? Like, is this is this going to just tank their playoff chances at this point with Vasilevsky gone for a quarter of the season? That's interesting. Um, let's face it. And I think maybe it's the recency bias thing because Tampa did not, for their standard, have a good regular season last year. So we see something like this and we're like, ooh, that's going to cost them points. But I really do think Tampa is too vet for this to derail their season. They have too much experience. They've won before. But just pile it on, man. You had that stuff with Cooper last year. Now you have um, the Stamkos stuff that happened last week with his contract. Now Vasilevsky's gone down. A lot of drama around the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this division is going to be competitive. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to miss the playoffs. I still think they would make the playoffs. But you pile all of these these things together, and who knows? This team's been unbelievable, and all good things must come to an end. So it's got to end at some point. I just don't think that this will be the time it does, and it won't be because Vasilevsky misses two months of the season. Yeah, I don't think it's going to completely tank their season, but one of the first things I thought about is how this could open the door for a team like Ottawa, or even Buffalo for that matter. Like if if the Lightning aren't going to have Vasilevsky for a quarter of the season and they're going to have Jonas Johansson and listen, like maybe he's going to provide serviceable numbers. Like we saw him, you know, play for Colorado briefly, the Colorado Avalanche, and like he was actually pretty decent mm. for them. Uh, I still don't have a lot of confidence in him. And, you know, it, you're going from like a 920 save percentage to a guy with a 900 or sub 900 save percentage. So that could open the door for a team like Ottawa. They get a few extra points. Same with Buffalo. The next thing you know, they're in a dogfight. They're in a dogfight for a wildcard spot. Lightning and and Senators last week of the season, or maybe Ottawa is able to leapfrog Tampa and grab the third seed in the Atlantic division. Right? So that's what I think about is those teams that are kind of in the chase pack in the Atlantic. That opens the door for them. I don't think the Lightning are going to miss the playoffs. Like, I don't want to write them off because – it seems like you would just be the biggest idiot to write off that team. Uh, so I, I don't want to go that far, but I do think this kind of puts them more now in the wild card discussion. I would now drop them out of the top three because of this injury. Like I had them finishing in the top three in the Atlantic. Mm. I think they drop out. So whether that's Boston that gets that three seed, whether that's the Senators, who knows? But I think this is this is a big blow, man. That's the... I don't want to say it's the heart and soul of their team, but I mean, my God, he's one of their, what, two or three most important guys. It's, yeah, this is tough. Yeah, well, makes it right for them. I don't want to say, oh, it would have been a better situation if this happened. But if news came out that, okay, he's out for the season, he's done, they could make a move. Because then he goes on LTIR, maybe they look at Hellebach or something, one of these unsigned guys, they make a move. But, well, no, he'll be back in a couple months. So we just need to put a plug in somewhere. And as you said, this goalie hasn't been good. And funny, what's the name? Jonas Johansson. If we just heard that name, Jonas Johansson, he's a Swedish hockey goalie. We'd be like, oh, he's unbelievable. Sounds like a stud. Yeah, just that name. I mean, oh, come on. He's going to be elite. But I'll be interested to see, too, who their, I guess, who their backup will be now or if it'll, it'll be shared duty. Or maybe they do make a move 
I'm trying to think of quality backups right now around the league that Tampa would be willing, uh, maybe willing to move for. Because are they afraid of it? Like, I would say it goes one way or another. I would say they're in that meeting room saying, okay, we have to make a move 100%. Or, nah, nah, we'll be okay. Like, I don't think there's any in between, right? So if they do go for it the way it is now, I'll be sitting here thinking they're pretty confident. They're not affected by it at all, right? And so they they say it's only 20 games. And like you said, it could go... It could go either way because hockey's hockey's crazy. This this guy could go in there and in a stretch of that many games be above average. And even if Tampa does get average goaltending for that amount of time, and let's face it, it's all about regressing to the mean. And sometimes there's not enough time for stuff to regress to the mean. So if he gets his 10 to 20 games, maybe he's okay and he'll, he'll be just fine. We saw Toronto do it a couple of years ago. We were going all the way down to goalies no one ever heard of, and they survived because those guys just gave them serviceable goaltending, got them over, got them, like you know, the 9-1 or whatever that they'd be okay with. But again, added to the Atlantic, added to the Atlantic, we've been discussing all summer how this is the most unpredictable the division has been in a long time. You throw in Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky injury, let's go, man. I'm excited. Yeah, this is really throwing things in a blender. Like, I still think the Leafs are the class of the division. I still think they're going to win the division. I'm still higher on Florida than it seems like some people are. Um, and the, the team that's kind of fascinating as well is Boston because the sports books still view Boston as, like, one of the top teams in the Atlantic, even though they lost their, their top two centermen and the heart and soul of their franchise, Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. And now you throw in this Vasilevsky injury, you throw in the fact that Ottawa and Buffalo are, ex- are expected to take the next step. You throw in the fact that the Detroit Red Wings are kind of right below Ottawa and Buffalo and and they're also looking to take the next step. It's it's pretty wild, man. Honestly, I, like after the Leafs, it's like take your pick. And maybe I don't know, maybe you know, people are going to say Bruno, you're such a home or the Leafs aren't going to win the division, but I think at this point it's the Leafs. And then it's like, take your pick. Who's going to finish second and third? Yeah. I mean, now that you mention it, there's in the two, three spot with the exception of Detroit, Detroit and Montreal, there's no one I'd be shocked with. And I think that's pretty fair across across the board. I think most fans would feel that way. There is no matchup we'd be shocked with in the first round of of the the two, three. And like you said, Tampa, Tampa could be a wild card. I mean, they were, they were, yeah, they were the third last year, even the third last two years now that I think about it. So maybe this injury puts them down to the wild card. No, you're absolutely right. Like as much as I like to bang on the Ottawa senators, would you be surprised at this point now, if they finish second in the Atlantic division, if it goes like Toronto, Ottawa and Boston as the top three seeds. Yeah. Florida. I mean, some combination of that. The thing is, too, and I don't think this is getting enough attention. Last year to make the playoffs in the East was was it 92 points? It was quite a low total compared to like the historical data of what it takes to make the playoffs. And you ask yourself, okay, well, why did that happen? Well, it happened because Boston took all the points. There's only so many points to go around. So if one team is having a historical season like that, well, that's costing every other team points or it's costing a lot of teams points. I think most people would guess that in the Eastern conference this year and specifically in the Atlantic division, there's not going to be a team like that. So, well, now you're handing out more points. Now so you that, need 95 points. As exactly. Opposed to 92. And those, those totals are going to go up for, for teams or, and it's going to be more balanced across the board. So add this one in, if this is going to cost Tampa points, even if it's four points over those games, like I have no, I would not even guess. I would not even guess. Cause the weird thing is how I just said, there is no matchup in the first round in the two, three slot that I'd be surprised with. Would you be like, I know you like Florida, Bruno, if Florida missed the playoffs, I don't think you'd be shocked. No, I wouldn't be shocked. No. If Ottawa missed the playoffs, if Buffalo missed the playoffs, the only one, Tampa would just be weird. And even, I mean, Boston, it would be weird as well. But based on everything they've lost, like I wouldn't be flabbergasted if Boston had like a 92-point season, 94-point season to miss the playoffs. So 
No idea, man. And maybe we're biased because this is the division we pay the most attention to because our favorite team plays in it. But I can't think of another division at another time where I had absolutely no clue what the standings were going to look like. Yeah, the only team I would be truly shocked if they miss the playoffs is the Leafs in the Atlantic division. Like if yeah. any of these other teams miss at this point, even Tampa with this Vasilevsky injury, I would not be surprised. The Leafs are the one team. If they somehow miss with this roster, I'd be absolutely stunned. But you said it, man, because if you look at the Western Conference last year, there wasn't a team that had 135 points like Boston. So it was like a normal season where to get in, the last seed in the Western Conference last year was the Winnipeg Jets. They had 95 points. Mm. And the second lowest seed in the conference had 100 points, the Seattle Kraken. So I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw last year in the Western Conference, where you're going to need at least 95 points to get into the playoffs. And as you said, if if Tampa loses four to six points because of the Vasilevsky injury, that could be the difference right there. So it's wide open, man. This is a this is a fun one, Bruno. Okay. All these questions we do. Yes or no. I, I'll say in 365 days, because that's when the season's starting. But by the end of the season or by the offseason, will John Cooper be the coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, I think so. Really, eh? I think Even, he will. What about another first round exit? I, I think I, I feel like he's just going to be with Tampa until I mean, I don't want to say until he retires because every coach gets fired. But I just feel like it's going to take something like astronomical for this guy to to get fired at this point. And the Lightning are a pretty like ruthless organization, as you know, as we're seeing with the whole Steven Stamko situation, how they haven't even talked to him about a contract extension. But I just feel like John Cooper now has built up so much equity there. And I think he's like widely regarded at this point as the best coach in the NHL. So I, I'd be stunned, man, if he's not in Tampa for the foreseeable okay. future. Okay. I don't know, man. I think it's, I think last year was evident. There was that story that the players weren't talking to him the year before um, when they beat Toronto. I heard there was issues in the locker room between players and the coaching staff. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and that's that's a good sign. It's unpredictable. It's going to be exciting NHL season. But you know what? I will say, no, he will not be the coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow. Because I think, like you said, they're cutthroat. And I think even if they go out in round one again, they might be, uh, with this, we have this group. This isn't good enough. It's time to move on. I could also see John Cooper, like he strikes me as a guy who would want like another challenge where he'd mm. be like, all right, screw this. I'm going to go coach somewhere else and like lead them to the playoffs and lead them to conference finals and Stanley cup finals and see what I can do somewhere else. I, I feel like he has, he has that in him, like yeah. that, that chip on his shoulder, that ego that he can kind of guide any team. Cause he's pretty much done it at like every level he's, you know, every level he's coached at, he's been pretty successful. So yeah, he'd be a hot commodity, that's for sure. Oh yeah, oh. He, he'd be a steaming hot commodity. If, if the Leafs fa- if the Leafs fall on their face again, people will be screaming for that. Oh, it'll be like the Babcock situation oh, all over again. All over We're like again. tracking John Cooper's <laughs> flights. Oh, hundred percent. One thing that was funny, we looked back, and maybe I'm giving Leafs fans too much credit. How excited we were for Babs, and we talked about this. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. When we talked about the firing. Would you ever, after that, will you ever get excited for a coach ever again? No, really, I, I don't excited? think you can. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, for those who listen to Colin Coward, maybe they've heard him say this before, and it's easier said than done. But he makes a point about how these coaches become available, and everyone goes nuts for them. And he said, no, 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 you guys are getting it wrong. You're not looking for Belichick. You're looking for the next Belichick every time. Because it's all situational, and people, they think this coach is going to come in and input something, and... I mean, guys are able to put impacts on teams, but just because a guy is success in one organization and, you know, brings him to the promised land doesn't mean it's going to happen somewhere else. And we saw that with Bob. So I know I can easily say I will never get excited about head coach ever again. Just, okay, let's see it. Show me what you got and we'll go from there.
Yeah, I think it's impossible after what we went through with Babcock, how Lee fans went from tracking his plane to being absolutely over the moon that he was the coach of this team to within like four years being like, get the, get this guy the hell out of here. Oh, fuck. It was bad. Yeah, again. it was a complete 180. And now Babcock is out of the league. And we said we would never talk about Babcock. Ah, again. We didn't even we didn't even we didn't make the one week, Bruno. <laughs> oh, my God. He's just going to make it into every show. Yeah, it's. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest, Lapore, before we wrap up this podcast? Yeah, some steaming hot takes about the preseason. I think we uh, we uh, let loose today. Uh, we're just looking forward to the games. I'm actually kind of intrigued to watch Montreal. Because of all the lineups, I think maybe Montreal has the most question marks as to like how they'll line up for the season and how they'll approach the season. So I'll, I'll, I'll tune into those games and I'll make a point to keep my eyes, eyes on certain guys and you know, look for guys you, you've never heard of, right? And see what they can contribute and maybe they'll get an opportunity because as we mentioned with the Leafs, how there's no spots in the lineup, where Montreal is now, there's a lot of spots up for grabs, I'm sure, in that organization. So it'll be fun, fun to watch them against the uh, the Leafs. Yeah, it's always fun watching the Habs, even when they're in tank mode and we all know they're not going to be good. It's going to be fun to watch them. I like watching Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I think I might actually draft Cole Caulfield in my uh, fantasy hockey league this year. I'm, I'm that, buying him down. That kid is the real deal, man. I mean, I I often say the most under-talked about thing in hockey is five-on-five five play. And from his style and how he scores his goals and because he's so good on the power play, I think some people kind of circle him as just like a power play guy, but no, he creates a lot five on five. He's, he's an amazing player. Montreal fans are going to have a blast watching him for a long time. I know the status somewhere and I could have prepared this before the podcast and someone probably knows it, but I believe over his last 82 games, he's scoring at like a 40 something or he has like 40 something goals, not even yeah. a 40 goal pace. Like he has 40 something goals over his last 82. Yeah. So he's, he's a stud. Yeah. All right, yeah, so we'll look forward to that. But that is going to do it for episode 117 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast, or GFP, GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. If you are a longtime listener or you're listening to us for the first time and you really enjoyed this episode, it would be a big-time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube, and you really enjoyed this week's episode, then do us a solid. Smash mm. the like button. I know it's so cliche, but it really helps. Smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment down below about how you think the Leafs have looked in the preseason so far and what players uh, have made you excited over these first three preseason games. We would love to hear from you. And, of course, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So enjoy the rest of the preseason. Leafs versus Habs three times in a row. Lapar and I will be here to break everything down leading up to the start of the season. But until then, have yeah. a good one. And we will chat very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Oh,